0: So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill, the radio star, starts
1: right now. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David. It's been a while uh, since we have been with you, so we appreciate everybody being patient. We took a little uh, well-needed sabbatical uh, slash timeout the last four or five weeks, but uh, we are back and hopefully going to be back into a weekly uh, rotation. You got my buddy Chris on the other line. How you doing, Mr. Craig? I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Been working hard to try to stay cool this weekend. What about you?
0: Yeah, you know, today actually turned out to be a really nice day, but yeah, yeah, yesterday was brutal. Um, honestly didn't get outside a whole lot though, just cuz like I was telling David earlier, I have uh I lost my dog about 2 weeks ago I had to put my dog down, um best dog ever. And not to start this podcast with as a bummer, but I'm going to um so i decided to do something good and i adopted not one but two dogs from a uh kill shelter and one of which is a puppy and so i already had one other dog so now i've got three of them and i'm trying to get them all together trying to get this puppy going and it's uh yeah it's been work man (laughs) but uh but we're getting there um but yeah today was a great
1: day yeah i can't can't complain i've i've took it easy most of the day um well chris uh we have the, uh, Nashville Rockin' Pod Expo Part 2 coming up in August, and we've had, uh, some people donate some money, uh, under our name. We appreciate that, and those people that have, uh, will be fulfilling our part of the, uh, uh, of the bargain, uh, with you here in the future. Um, if you get a chance, go to the GoFundMe.com uh, and type in Nashville Rockin' Pod Expo 2 and, uh, if you'd like to donate some money and just put it in there that it's for digital kill the radio star podcast and shoot me a message on facebook or twitter or um, i think my email is on there and um, let us know that you have done that um really want to thank people that have donated and while we're at it uh chris you know when we started this podcast i think you and i kind of both had the same goal and one of the things is to uh you know unite people that uh that have, you know, common interest in in music and just love music and talking about music. And with that said, we've had uh, uh, a couple of really good reviews lately on uh, iTunes from uh, Steve Tomer and from uh, Jay Sabliski. And Jay actually uh, donated some money to um, the GoFundMe account. And uh, he will be picking a podcast topic in the future. He said he hasn't come up with one yet, but... Want to thank those two for uh, their reviews, and while we're at it, want to uh, mention some other people that uh, are, are really good to always um, interact with us on social media: uh, Jim Regan and uh, Cole Thornton and Robert De uh, Robert, I think, lives in Canada, and uh, Jim lives in, I believe, he lives in New York, and uh, I'm not sure where Cole lives, but anyway, uh, big thanks to those guys for always uh, supporting us and. Um, uh, sharing our podcast, we uh, yeah, we, just thanks for listening. Yeah, and thanks for listening. We appreciate that a lot. Uh, Steve, we uh, Chris, and I have been um, interacting with him on Facebook. Uh, seems to be a super, uh, super nice guy. And uh, Jim Regan, uh, he's a huge New York Mets fan. I'm a huge Atlanta Braves fan, so uh, I've gotten to have a little fun at his expense this year. Uh, but anyway thank you to all those people uh that that support us and leave us those itunes reviews and if you're listening and, and want to leave us an itunes review by all means please go ahead uh and do that and subscribe to us on apple podcast or on soundcloud and uh, follow us on twitter at digital killed like us on facebook and we have a uh instagram account that uh, i hope to be more active with uh in the future so uh if you get a chance go and donate money towards that uh like i said we've said before that money does not go to us chris and i are paying our own way our own expenses but it goes to help uh the uh, organizers of that expo uh, cover some of their cost. and so uh one really big name that's confirmed to be there is uh brian welch aka head from corn and uh, he has a new documentary coming out about his life if you are a rock fan you've heard of corn and you may not have heard of his story uh basically uh he left corn uh, became a, a very devout christian and gave up drugs and, and and all of those vices and now he's back in corn and i think a lot of the documentary has to do with his uh, relationship with his daughter uh so it's getting great reviews anyway he's going to be there and maybe uh chris and i can have him on the podcast that would be a, that'd be a pretty good get chris
0: yeah, I like the uh, the other name you told me the other day, though, that cannot be confirmed. Right. Uh, that's the one I really want. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's just... Nobody will be able to figure this out. There's no way. So, I, I would just say, if anybody that's listening to this knows uh, I do love my punk music. And <laughs> this guy is... Um, he's a punk legend. So, hopefully he makes it.
1: Yeah, hopefully he does. Um, Chris... Uh, since you and I last did a podcast, I um not stumbled upon. I've heard of this band before. They're called Humphreys McGee. And um I guess you would have a hard time really putting them in a category. Some people might say they're prog rock. Uh I've heard also heard them described as just, you know, classic rock, and some people might say they're a jam band, but they better, so yeah, that's what
0: I thought. I don't know their music, but I thought they were a jam
1: band. Yeah, they they get lumped into that, and they tour with a lot of those bands, so uh, that's not an unfounded observation. But anyway, I started kind of getting into their back catalog, and I came across an album that is completely unique. And um, I think it was Cole Thornton on Twitter. I, I mentioned something about it, and I think he went and bought their new album. But Their new album is really good, but they have an album called Zonky, Zonkey, Z-O-N-K-E-Y. And it is a mashup album. And a couple of the highlights are that. They take the song National Anthem by Radiohead. It's the music to to the song. And it's the lyrics to Beck's Loser. And then they do... um, They mash up uh, Sweet Dreams. And... um, uh, Oh, what's the song? I Wear My Sunglasses at Night. And then my favorite one is they do... Those have similar sounds.
0: That that actually sounds really intriguing. Yeah.
1: And then they do. My favorite one is they take uh, Beastie Boys' "Sabotage" and mash it up with uh, Ted Nugent's "Stranglehold." But it's an well, inti-
0: that sounds cool. But really, and I'm sorry to keep cutting you yeah. off. But I'm really, I'm really wanting to hear that. Uh, that Corey Hart and um and your ethics. Yeah, I, yeah,
1: and I, I think the name of the song is "Sweet Sunglasses." Um, but yeah, I was
0: just telling my sister just the other day we heard a Corey a Corey Hart song was on.
1: I was like, God, you know, sometimes I
0: forget just how good his voice was. It's
1: good, and right. he was yeah, he I was really and he was really big there for a while. But yeah, if you get a chance, uh, go listen to Zonky. Uh, the whole album is, is nothing but mashups. It's a uh, it's a uh, really good album. And uh, Chris, you were telling me um, before we uh, started recording, um, you uh you've got a new um, are they are they technically death metal band that you like?
0: Well, okay. Now, first of all, just I want to get this out just in case somebody did listen to the one the podcast we did with Harder Than Hell. If you did, you're going to hear me repeat some things because I mentioned this on that episode, um, and just a little segue. If you haven't heard that, we did a, a podcast with guys from Potter and Hell. Check out their podcast. Uh, good guys, good podcast. And we do a uh, a Metallica episode, but um, we talk about a band. Got, what was this, David? At least a month ago.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I think it was the first of April. Well, it'll show you I'm still on
0: this band, and you know a lot of times I can sh- I can move from bands pretty quickly. But um, there's this band that I uh, actually became intrigued by then when we were getting ready to interview Casey from Astronoid. And uh, I read an interview when I was just making sure I was prepped for the interview for the interview we were going to do with Casey. I read an interview with, with uh, Brett Boland, the, uh, the guitar, uh, another guitarist and singer for Astronoid. And one of the influences when he was making Astronoid's album, Air, a uh, great album, I've mentioned it several times, but if you haven't listened to it yet, please do so. Um he was really influenced by this band, Death Heaven, and so I thought, okay, I, I, they make some very interesting prog type metal. So let me see what Death Heaven's all about. And I, I, I saw him described as hipster metal. I saw him described as um, shoegaze metal. I saw him descri- described as shoegaze black metal. Uh, some people will say black metal. I, I don't. I don't agree with that at all because it's not hell satan it's not nihilism it's it's not it it just doesn't even have the same sound to me maybe somewhat the vocals but this is a band that just um the way i describe their music what it's done for me is some sometimes and we all get this way if you're if you're listening to this and you you've continued to listen to us over you're passionate about music and i know that and so if you're passionate about music music every now and then will just hit you in the gut and all borderline gets you emotional and this was one of the first times like heavy metal type music has done that to me it's just uh i don't know i find beauty in their music and if you're thinking yeah but i don't like those kind of vocals and all it's okay my cousin doesn't even listen to metal at all and i recommended this band and he loved it and he said i don't even really i don't really even hardly notice the vocals after a while It they'll go really really heavy and then they'll get put out just some of the just slowed down some most beautiful pieces of music you've heard Anyway, bands, again, it's called Death Heaven. They put out three albums. They have a new album coming out in July. But the album, if you want to check these guys out, just see if you think I'm crazy. Man, maybe I am. Um, check up album Sunbather. And if you think, if I haven't already said enough things about them to say how, you, how they're unique, especially unique to the genre of metal, the album the cover is pink. And they're metal. Supposedly. Uh, so, that kinda of tell you everything. But, um, yeah i I cannot say enough good things about this band i I can't wait cannot wait at all to this new record so i'm psyched about it um you got anything anything else new because i was going to mention a couple of new ones that
1: are out um off the top of my head no
0: okay um first one i'm just going to have a quick mention just because i think it's really really cool um the summer kills it's uh matthew ryan who we have talked about before on this podcast singer-songwriter um, he's actually. Uh, I think he's doing some shows. I want to say he's doing some. Sh- I think he may be doing some shows with uh, some of the shows with Gaslight, but I know he's toured with he's toured with a bunch of people. A lot of people we've talked about on this show. He uh, it's a side project he did, and I know he was heavily heavily influenced by uh, one of my heroes, Greg Dooley of Afghan Wigs, where they were he was going with that kind of theatric, um, wanting the music to sound like a movie, and. This album I really found both comforting and saddening at the same time as I was as I just talked about grieving the loss of my dog. Um, it was something I really listened to a lot during those times. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful album. So if if you just want to check out some, you know, like I said, he's the goal was trying to make it sound like a movie. Um, he's just a great, great singer, great songwriter but again the band side project is called the summer kills they only got one album but the name of it's called last night we became swans um really beautiful music and then the last one i'm going to mention is um band i've been into for a while now seen this band many many times one of the most relentless nonstop touring bands in america and appropriately named american aquarium um I'm glad to see these guys are finally starting to get their due. They're starting to take off a bit. Um, I saw they just recently moved into a tour bus. So I should tell you something. After years and years and years, you know, playing every almost every single night of the road, they're moving up. They put out a new one called Things Change. And they didn't disappoint. It is a great, great record. It just came out Friday. The one thing, two things I'd put on it that's a little bit different is – um and this is a great addition. There's a steel guitar all you know, it's all throughout this. And David, it reminds me, even though the music doesn't necessarily sound like it and his voice certainly doesn't sound like it, there's not a lot of bands that do that kind of rock, country type thing that add a steel guitar that sounds so great, like you know, the first thing that band I always think of is Sunbolt. And that's kinda of what I'm reminded of with that steel guitar. And um you know, I heard uh oh, who was it? Um uh, chris Shiflet on his podcast one time and it may he may have been talking to bj of american aquarium but talking about if you're a musician the, the thing to play is still guitar because you will never be out of work and you can make more money because there's such in demand but
1: well, if really you see, acts- have you ever really watched somebody play i mean you're using both yeah. hands and both feet i mean i would i wouldn't be able to get one chord
0: yeah it's a, i mean it's definitely a skill and there that's why he, just will say, and there's not many guys doing it, and if you can, you you will always have work. And um, it was a great addition to American Aquarium sound, and it's all throughout this new record, um, record deals a lot. I mean, BJ Barham is a he's just a great songwriter, um, really good. You know, lyricism is important to him, and I'm I'm a sucker for a lyric, and you can tell a lot of it's about his demons. You know, his battle with alcoholism. He's uh, he's been sober for a while now and he definitely talks a lot about it on this. And the other thing I would say is I've always looked at them as a rock country band, you know, kind of almost more rock, but you know, kind of almost, they don't know they sound like them, but I, I put them in with somebody like Lucero. But this, on this record, they I think they kind of go from more of a rock country band to a country rock band. It's a little bit more of a country, you know, twangy sound on it. But um, check this album out you dig it, go into their back catalog. Um, definitely check out Dances, with Lon- uh, Dances for the Lonely and um, Burn, Flick, or Die. Those are their best records.
1: And they'll probably be but, playing in your backyard. Give them, yeah, give them a couple they, of months.
0: I was not kidding when I say they are one of the most relentless touring bands. It is non-stop. And if you want to hear about the Life on the Road and how they built it up, there's a fascinating just interview about the music business and Life on the Road. Like I mentioned Chris Shiflett. Chris Shiflett go to his um, what's it called? Today? Is it walking? Walking the floor Yeah, and so check it out. He does. It's the singer songwriter for American Aquarium. His name is BJ Barham. That podcast. It is probably the best musician interview podcast that I've heard.
1: Yeah, it's good. He has a it has a unique a unique guest list, especially for somebody that's a guitar player of the Foo Fighters.
0: Well, and I would say and you're right, but I would say that particular one is probably the best one interview I've heard of because I just found it more fascinating about the in depth of life on the road. But well, anyway, go ahead, man. I'm sorry, I probably went for ten minutes. No, no man, that's fine. That's but fine. It's been a while.
1: Yeah, it has. Um, well, Chris, you talked about being on the road and being in a fan touring. Uh, it's summertime; and people take vacations, and uh, One of the places people like to go in the summertime is uh, Mount Rushmore. And, uh, of course, it has four presidents on it. I think it's Washington, Lincoln, Jefferson, and Roosevelt on it. The the heads of them engraved into the side of the mountain. So, a couple of, well, that was last week. um, Chris and I were kind of texting each other back and forth trying to come up with a podcast topic. and So, I suggested the Mount Rushmore of American rock bands. And so, that's going to be our topic for this week. So I guess it was Tuesday or Wednesday that we confirmed with each other that's what we were going to do. And lo and behold, uh, Friday, uh, I subscribed to that Potter Than Hell podcast, and <laughs> their podcast topic was the Mount Rushmore of rock drummers. So I sent uh, our buddy Steve a text. He was like, hey, uh, guess what? We're doing the Mount Rushmore this weekend too. Uh, it was kind of funny because uh, you know we did an album opener episode, and I think they had already recorded one and hadn't released it yet. Around the same time, that, excuse me. Around the same time that um, we did, so I don't know. I guess it, it might be kind of scary that we're on the same wavelength with uh, BC and, and Steve, but uh, that's all right. I think, we'll
0: be, I think we'll have something different next time. Yeah, we'll have something. We different. We may be doing one that nobody's done before.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. Our next podcast is going to be uh, interesting to say the least. Uh, a uh, well, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, but anyway, so I uh, got to thinking, uh, you know, who 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 would be on the Mount Rushmore of American rock bands? Now, notice the nuance there. American rock bands. Because I was discussing this earlier with my wife, and she was like, oh, you left the Beatles out. And I was like, she said, oh, yeah, they're British. So Yeah, so, you didn't hear the American part, I right, guess. Yeah, it's American rock bands and not American singers, American rock bands. So uh, hopefully that will uh, clear things up for people so uh, there's four presidents on Mount Rushmore and so Chris and I each have four uh, rock bands that we're going to uh, and go with Chris since I've got the dry mouth so bad and need to take a drink of water why don't you start us off
0: all right well let me just tell you I um I, I this is one that I, I haven't given it's probably almost good that I haven't given this much thought just because you know I I told everybody you know not beating a dead horse but said you know the past two weeks have been really really difficult for me and i haven't really felt like focusing on any of this and then this past weekend uh, my two new my two new friends in the house and so right before we got on here i started thinking as you're telling me like i guess i didn't really realize it was mount rushmore and i gotta have Ford, and like how am i gonna do this and we're doing this really last minute but or i am so apologies but i think i can make this work you know, I'm going to just go with, let's go with one that I think there's a good chance you have on here. Um, when we think of rock, and we think of rock, metal, and what kind of evolved into guitar rock gods, and, uh, you know, the the glam rock, the hair metal, just the 80s metal, all of that, you tie it back to, you know, well, just metal in general. You go back to Sabbath. Okay, British you go back to Zeppelin British, go back to Thin Lizzy British, and you just keep going on and on and on. But when's the first one of that genre that really hit the states? I think it's got to be our Van Halen brothers. Um, so I am going to go with I am going to go with Van Halen. I mean, yet you think of Impact, you know Eddie completely revolutionized the guitar. You know, out after after Hendrix, it's Eddie um a band that had mega success not one but two different vocalists um a band that just kind of laid out the formula for for the songwriting the uh quick you know 3 minute songs the you know the focus on musicianship the uh stage performance of David Lee Roth and then just the countless bands that they influenced um I think they deserve a spot if we're talking American.
1: Well, they were the last band I cut before uh, I got down to my Final Four, so they were one of my honorable mentions. But you could, there's, I don't have, I don't think anybody would have a problem with that, uh, with that selection. Yeah, you're right. The fact that at the very height of their popularity, they get rid of their lead singer and get another lead singer and their popularity, uh you know they may have become more popular. I know there's a lot of people that you know are either Hagar or Roth guys. I like I like both versions of the band. Um, I, I do too. I, I prefer think, I think Roth, but I, I like both. Well, I, here's the thing. Not to go off on a tangent. Um, you know, you and I saw Van Halen a couple years ago, and then uh, about three months after that, I saw them again with Roth. He's such a tool bag on stage that. Just the way he acted. I mean, there's there was no, there's nothing cool about him anymore. But he was in the eighties, right? But he was in the eighties. But he had a full, you know, he had a full head of hair, uh, you know. And it, it's just now, he just almost like he needs to be on medication. Um, yeah,
0: but you can't you can't judge now. First no, I, no, I'm not saying Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. I love early Bob Dylan. I wouldn't pay to see Bob Dylan now because he's awful now so you know no what i yeah, was i ahead. was
1: tr- i was trying to compare and contrast like hagar and roth now and, and when when i think about Van Halen, those last two times i saw them i just i mean they sounded great uh but you know roth cannot sing live anymore uh sammy i know that people say that the lyrics with him were a little cheesier but um musically i thought it was fine but um just astonishing that they can have this have the success that they've had and and really they've really abused and mistreated their fans to some extent you know there's there's never any solid news from them they don't do any interviews with anybody and so you just have this like black hole of information when it comes to them that's why i thought greg renoff's book was so good because it's you know they just don't talk to anybody and uh anyway going back to their influence um you know, they. You would have to say what Eddie uh, Hendrix. I would say Eddie and Hendrix had you know the two biggest um, impact on future guitar players. I know there's some people out there that'll say Ace Ace Freely, but Ace just. I mean, uh, not to upset any of the Kiss fans out there, but I mean he doesn't didn't do anything revolutionary. He didn't
0: know uh, he, he didn't change the game.
1: No, I mean, uh-uh. and
0: again, like you said, that may make some KISS fans mad, but, I mean, it, again, if, you, if you're listening to us, you know we're not KISS fans. Right. So, you'll so have to forgive us on that one. We just don't get it. But, um, no, he didn't change anything. And, he just made a lot of guys want to pick up the guitar.
1: Oh, we could. You, how that's, long? How long is eruption? Difference. Is it like a minute and twenty seconds or something? You could. No, no what
0: I'm saying is, Freely just made people want to pick up a. Guitar. Oh, okay, yeah. He didn't yeah.
1: really. He didn't really change anything. He just
0: made them want to grab one. Right. Yeah. Eddie changed the way people fought. The way right. People played.
1: Right. So, like, like I was saying, like, eruption. It's a minute and twenty seconds or something like that. You could make the argument that that may be the most important minute and twenty seconds in music in the last fifty years as far as, as far as people that listen, they go, I want to do that. How did he do that? Um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, you know, Van Halen, uh, like I said, they just missed, uh, missed my cut. And, uh, so hopefully my other four, everybody will enjoy those, but the criteria that I kind of used was, you know, longevity, uh, musical impact and inspiration, and to some extent, cultural impact. So, uh, I think well, I hit I, the
0: mark on all those. You
1: hit the mark on all of those, and I think I'm about to hit it with mine. So my first one that I'm going to go with is, uh, I guess, depending on who you talk to, are, are the grandfathers of, of alternative music, and that's R.E.M. They're uh, on my list,
0: so right, I'll go ahead so and knock out number, number two for me while we do this.
1: Yeah, so you can't deny their impact, especially when you go back and listen to people that talk about the first time they heard Murmur or... Uh, you know, reckoning, especially those early records. And then, you know, they just blew up in like 88 and, you know, from 88 to 94, we're probably running neck and neck with U2, uh, as far as being the biggest, one of the biggest bands, uh, in the world. You know, and I listen to people like, uh, you know, everybody knows I'm a big black crows fan it's Steve Gorman, the drummer for the black crows, you listen to him and it says, he's like, it all goes back to REM murmur. It all goes back to that album. And, you know, just wanting to, 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 sound like them and their sound was unique at the time now you know by the time 1990 rolled around there were you know a thousand other bands somewhat trying to sound like them but and and they and they proved that they evolved they they remained relevant the entire time you know you you have an album like um uh, automatic for the people and out of time you know both those albums had a heavy uh acoustic uh, content to it some of the stuff was you know a little folky um, you had uh, you know almost country sounding at times and you had these like really you know emotional sweet tender songs and then they put out monster which is a straight up rock record a throwback to like t-rex and things like that and then you know an album that you and i both uh, really really appreciate uh, new adventures in hi-fi another great rock record and then you know they put out a couple of albums after that that uh, I guess they were trying to keep up with uh adult contemporary music. But well
0: can I jump in yeah, real quick too? Yeah. You know, when I talk about when you're talking about since this is on my list too, when you're talking about how they did kind of change and, and you're talking about they went to they did Monster and that was a pretty good comparison, saying you know, T Rex and then going into um you know, Hi Fi and what a great record that was. And and I told you when we did our um our REM podcast, when we did those two parters, when we were on the Warner Years. I thought that Up was going to be my dad's dead last record, and it ended up not being. And and I found, and I know you hate it, and and I and I get it, I do, because I used to, and now I can actually enjoy parts of that record. But that was, we say, adult contemporary. That that really started to happen on even um, the next record. Can you think of the name of it? Was it Reveal? But, um. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of the one was the white cover. It has oh, yeah. New York on it. Um. That's a good song. So that be
1: the one after that. Uh, That's Leaving New York's a good song.
0: Oh, it's got some good songs on it. I think that album has good songs, but that was really kind of going that Adult and temporary. I saw Up, to me, I saw Up as them wanting to be the Beach Boys, you know, wanting to do pet sounds. I can see that. That's kind of how I saw that. And so it was still just another, it was just another, it was another example of them evolving good or bad it was another chance of them evolving and um not many bands can successfully do that and you gotta you gotta hand it to them i mean up was still successful
1: yeah yeah no i mean no doubt and the last two records they put out uh were really good and the last one was they closed uh, on a high note the last one was you know we talked about it's one of our favorite final album um By an artist, that that was a great album, and both of those albums were kind of a more had more of a monster, uh, monster and new adventures and hi fi sound to it. So, they they went a little more mellow there for a while, and then they you know cranked it up at the end. But yeah, they 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 sparked an entire movement, and um, I I I mean, was alternative rock even a name before they came around? I don't know. Here's what
0: uh, that's a good segue for what I was going to say next. You know, I don't know who's responsible for that. You know, personally, I absolutely hate the term "alternative." Back then, it was fitting. Yeah, it's truly an alternative. When when people tell, will say, "Oh, I listen to alternative music," it's like, "Okay, you listening to Built to Spill?" Yeah, they're probably not. They're probably, you know, listening to the Killers. I love the Killers, but the Killers—that's not alternative. You know, that's mainstream music.
1: Well, now if you wanted to say you listen to alternative music, it would be like L.A. Guns. Because yeah, that's, that's the alternative. that's a
0: good point. But, <laughs> yeah. but alternative is, I hated it when it was in the mainstream. And people was, oh, well, I like alternative. It's like, alternative? Alternative is alternative to the mainstream. You're going for something away from it. Right. So I've always had a, always had a problem with that. But when it first came out, yeah, I think that they they probably... I don't know that they single-handedly did it but i know that out of time was a huge part of well let's, let's i mean that really was when it really started going in the in the mainstream but even really you know i would say even green started to make that transition a bit to start putting that sound into the mainstream and then yeah i mean people started following suit and yeah, and you two did the joshua i mean they did octune baby and then it just you know then you had the grunge bands that came out and all that but yeah I, out of time was before nirvana it was before you know all these just different changes in music i mean it was at a time when still the hair metal was ruling the world
1: mm-hmm. well you know and i've told this story before Whenever uh Losing My Religion comes on, my wife says, Oh, that's the Dylan and Brenda breakup song. They played that over one of the biggest scenes on Beverly Hills Nine O Two One O and at the time that was the number one you know, that was the show for anybody that was under the age of thirty. So they had you know, had a cultural a cultural impact and uh you know, Michael Stite, one of the great front men of uh of all time and Peter Buck I don't think gets enough credit for his his guitar playing was truly, truly unique.
0: Well well let's take this, I mean I feel I feel like we're doing the REM. Show all over again rm podcast i mean if this, if this conversation we're having right now is, in, is intriguing you you and never heard of our podcast you know we've got two different episodes on it so go check those out but i do want to, since you said peter buck doesn't give enough credit enough credit i agree with that but then you look at before we get to the obvious let's look at bill berry you know after bill berry is when they started and doing started trying to do their pet sounds you know it gave them that opportunity so look how important he was and if nothing else just listen to that opening opening drum on into the world. I mean is there a more iconic it, it's one of the most iconic drum intros in a song of all time. Um, so let's not discount how important he was to the sound And then yeah you know, Mike Mills, my God what what, what 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 can you not say about Mike Mills? I mean the guy was the absolute perfect. Harmonizer, perfect background vocalist, even sang lead on some songs. Had such a cool sound. I mean, you, there's no way in hell you have REM sound without, you know, without Mike Mills, and you know he's a fine bass player too. But uh and he dresses yeah, like the all, Rhinestone Cowboy. Yeah, I mean, all four of those guys, man, were just so important in that band. All of them. It wasn't just the Michael Stipe show. And um, yeah, absolute great, great band.
1: All right, so you had them as well, so that's 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 one that we had uh, in common. I guess uh, I guess move on down your list to your next one.
0: All right, well, you know, those first two were a little bit more obvious for me, and it starts getting a little bit more difficult. And um, I'm going to go, I think, it's still so tough for me to pick all these, because I'm not, uh, the REM, I'm pretty much, dead set on not changing and i would probably be the same way about Dan halen some of the other ones i might could be convinced otherwise but i'm going to go with one that when you talk about so you said longevity was important this one meets it definitely you can check that list um you said influence was important they absolutely meet this one what was the, the third one you said
1: cultural impact
0: yeah, uh, so they made meet all of these. I mean, there's even a movie with these guys. But um, i got to go with the Ramones. Um, and I really like the Ramones. I really do. But I'm not just a Ramones fan- fanatic. You know, I've got a lot of their stuff. But I just... I think they have to be on this list for what they did. You know, I, you have... You have two important two defining really punk movements you have what's going on over in the uk with the sex pistols and then you know then you started having you you had generation x there with billy idol i mean there are are a ton of those bands coming out um then you have what's happening in new york city what's happening in, in new york you know it it you have the bands like Television, you have, you know, Blondie was a little bit later, but you have Blondie, you have the New York Dolls, and you have the Ramones. And the Ramones, I think, were probably, I mean, and I, 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 I hate even not knowing for sure on this, but I think they were before all those bands. You know, before the Clash, before you know, before the Pistols, before all of them, it was the Ramones. And so I think they really, truly created punk. You know, I, I know that some people, I've heard some people even, I've heard people even say that, that the Who kind of started in some ways, and, and that, that's a fair argument. And then you have, you know, the Stooges, another very fair argument, MC5, fair argument but when you talk about two minute or if, and that's two minutes is a long song for them, but you know, a minute to two minute, just quick, you know, three chord. I, I, I mean, they, they started it all. And, and I remember not long, it was a couple of years ago watching, uh, the Dan Patrick show and, and, yeah, you know, Seaton on that show is a, is a big music buff. And, um, he was in an argument with dan patrick saying that the ramones are more they're more important and have a bigger influence than led zeppelin and dan patrick just thought he had lost his mind well they had calling into the show sport fanatic as anybody that knows anything about this guy knows that that a darius rucker from hibby and the blowfish is a sports fanatic and a big music boss you, you may you know shit on his music but he, he knows his stuff, too. I mean, he was a big R.E.M. fan. And they asked him the question. Without hesitation, he went, Ramones. You know, that they were more important for what they did, you know, for a genre. Because um, without them, you know, there had to be kind of a first doing everything. And, and the U.K., they win on metal because they got Sabbath. I think the States went on pump. There's my argument.
1: Well they you, you wouldn't have had you know, Bono says you wouldn't have had U two had there not been for the Ramones.
0: Well, um, I don't think you have Nirvana without the Ramones. I mean really, if you think about it, because all these bands that were coming that were listening to Grunge, they were taking all these punk records and metal and that, that was their influence of punk and metal and all that stuff they were listening to, the hardcore bands. It had to start somewhere. Yeah, I realize that goat whore doesn't sound like Black Sabbath. But without Black Sabbath, where do the extreme bands, how did they ever form?
1: Well, it, it influenced thrash metal, too. Um, yeah,
0: absolutely. Because, yeah. I mean, it spawned, it's spawned hardcore, and hardcore is what a lot of those thrash guys were influenced by.
1: Right. You know, I, I, I keep me, I mean, my familiar, familiar my knowledge of them is, uh, I mean, it's just more or less the hits, but there's so many people that, are, you know, respect their musical opinion, uh, you know, are, or just diehard Ramones fans, if you had to pick an album for me to start on, or anybody out there that's a novice, Chris, what would it be? Let's
0: get the first one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it recently, There's I can't remember who did this. Um, maybe it was Spin. I can't remember, but somebody just recently, they just recently did a list with um, the greatest punk records of all time. And they had that as, I don't remember where they had it. They may have had it number one, but I know it was in the I know it was in the
1: top three. Well, yeah, I'm you definitely so, going to give them give them more of a more of a listen. I actually saw them in concert one time with it, uh, Lollapalooza 1996 in New Orleans. It's actually. Well, it just uh, <coughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it was. It was they were they were really cool live. Of course, you know that was toward the end, but uh, yeah, they were they were really really good live. And crowd went nuts for them. And it
0: sucks, they never, I think, I think Joey Ramone always had a real problem with, um, I don't think he, bitter is probably a a bad word to choose, but I think he had a little bit of a problem, some of the stuff that I've read and, and heard with him that, you know, he knew the impact that his band had, and he knew what they did, and the cultural impact and all of that, and yet they never really sold records, they never made money. They never really did anything and i think that was something that from what i've seen probably and and rightfully so i mean it would be too that they they never really you know never really got everybody talked about how important they were but never really never really happened but but yeah back to as far as what to listen to i mean i would check out the first one it's uh they recently they recently remastered it too you know they got this 40th anniversary deluxe edition but um I mean, it's got, as far as the, you know, the classics, you know, it's got, it's got Blitzkrieg Bop on it. Um, I'm trying to think of ones that you would know. Um, I Want to Be Your Boyfriend, you probably heard. Beat on the Brat, uh, 53rd and 3rd, is a real popular one.
1: Which so, album uh, has uh, the KKK, Took My Baby Away? Oh,
0: God, I'm, I'm. I'm drawing a blank I mean obviously it's one of those very early ones um for whatever reason I'm wanting to let me check because I was wanting to say wanting to say Rocket to Russia but I'm let me look up. the that's one of the
1: that's one of the ones that I hear uh a lot um that song but yeah uh Chris Sinzak from Decibel Geek I was texting or messaging him the other day and I think his one of his top four favorite bands is the Ramones and uh Maybe we can uh maybe I can uh get into him a little bit and we can have him on here, and we can talk about uh, the Ramones for an hour or so
0: well- well yeah, and like i said I, I don't I don't claim myself as one of the you know most knowledgeable Ramones fans I, I don't even own every record, which of course they have a ton of them I'd have to have a ton of albums to have that, but um you know i just i like them and i get i get the significance and I'm just looking here too. I, I pulled up while we're talking i pulled up um this this uh first album self title it says it was released in seventy six and i believe um i believe never mind the bollocks was seventy seven but it says in it's april seventy six and recorded for sixty four hundred
1: dollars wow yeah well, Chris, right. anyway. um, my my pick, my next pick. If anybody has a problem with this, they probably need to go check their priorities in life because something is a, something is askew. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Got um,
0: consideration for me.
1: Um, I mean, like we were saying when we did that podcast on, on you, between the two of us, we only know one person that doesn't like uh, Tom Petty. Um, just a great band, a great songwriter. Uh, who himself managed to stay relevant through a lot of trends. Uh, that first album came out, I think, in like 1977, 1978. And then, of course, Damn the Torpedoes was the one that just made him a uh, a superstar. And then uh, his solo album, Full Moon Fever, is what made him, you know, <laughs> he, he probably made enough money off that album to retire. But um, the, the great thing about that band is they... They could play. They could play straight up rock. They could play uh, boogie woogie. Uh, they dip their toes into uh, country every now and then, and in uh, blues, and just um, you know, probably one of the greatest backing bands of all time. Um, you know, Mike Campbell is about to take over for uh, Lindsey Buckingham in uh, Fleetwood Mac. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm happy for him. He got that gig. Uh, they said Stevie Nicks was the one that facilitated that, but. Uh, Benmont Tench, uh, just an unsung hero in American music. Uh, Listen to him play on—I uh, think he's played on the last two Ryan Adams albums, actually. But th- the guy just put out hit after hit after hit. But he never—he never sold out. Um, you know, he, he consistently put out good albums, um, a lot of good songs that were never released as singles on his albums. You know you i'd have a hard time if somebody's like hey what's your top 20 tom petty songs it would change every day and uh you know it was it was nice to see when he died you know all the touching um touching tributes and people talking about you know how much he meant to them and you know you and i you've seen him twice but you and i were lucky enough to see him last may but you know not long before he died and uh, that was a bucket list item uh for me and just a, a cool guy that uh I've never heard anybody in the music business say anything negative about, which if you're around for 40 years in that business and, and people aren't bad, nobody's bad mouthing. It's probably a, you're probably a pretty good guy. And, uh, I think he was. Um, so anyway, Tom Petty and and the heartbreakers would be my pick.
0: Well, yeah. And you talk about how much he, he means to people. Um, you know, some of my heroes just absolutely love him. I know that, I know butch walker's a huge fan and i've said this before on this on this podcast um i remember uh, i saw butch walker being interviewed by uh years ago by uh carson daly and he said something about butch being a pop artist and he said well yeah i mean i'm i'm pop in the way that tom petty's pop and he still and he had a tom petty shirt He just happened to have a tom petty shirt on at the time he's a huge fan and and I thought that was a good comparison. You know, Tom Petty, I guess, technically, you could almost call him pop in a way. But, I mean, he just made great, great songs. And, I mean, how many people can put out that many, that many hits? And the influence that he has, uh, I saw, uh, we, we both were watching last night, seeing uh, the Gaslight Anthem playing live. And they played that song, can't you think of the name of it, one of the last tracks on 59 Sound, where he says, I still love Tom Petty songs. Right. Um, the new American Aquarium song, or new, the new album, one of the songs on there, and I'm not familiar enough with the track listing to tell you which one it is, but there's one on there where he mentions listening to Tom Petty, and he names, I think, three different Tom Petty songs throughout the song. Um, and, I mean, that's just, just that's the way it was with everybody. I mean, it seems to, and like you said, we do know, we have a, a friend of ours that does not like Tom Petty. He hates Tom Petty, actually. But everybody else, yeah, they may not they may not own every record. I mean, maybe they only own the greatest hits. But most people like the biggest hits that Tom Petty had. Most people do. And how many people have that? You know, I, I don't... We mentioned R.E.M. I mean, how many people are really that familiar with their stuff other than, you know, five or six monster hits? Right, Tom Petty. They probably know thirty songs.
1: Well, it's like I, I told you when we went to see him in concert. I think they were on song number five, and they'd already played "Last Dance with Mary Jane" uh, "Mary Jane's Last Dance" and "Free Falling." Um, yeah, I mean they can't.
0: If, and if they want to do a greatest, if they wanted to do a greatest hit tour, they're leaving out songs. Yeah, you know, we, we talk about how you know Poison never changes their set list, and how it you know just really you know, ticks us off. But Poison, if they truly wanted to play nothing – they they never play like the B-sides and all that. But if they were going to do just all the straight-up hits, they can fit them into a set. Every single one of them, they can fit them in. And they had a lot of hits. And they can fit them in in an hour, hour, 15. You know, Tom Petty, hour, hour, and 15, he's hit maybe 25% of his hits.
1: Yeah, he's up to like 1984
0: yeah so i mean yeah just a very i mean definitely an american icon and i think we've seen that more i think people people knew i think people knew his. i mean i know people knew his importance but i think his passing made people appreciate him even more and that that usually does happen but i think everybody's just kind of like wow you know they they forgot it's like well i mean I think people, there were so many people that were truly saddened by his passing. And, that, and you know, we've lost a lot of great ones in the past couple of years, you know, from, you know, from Petty to Bowie to Prince. But Petty, more than any of them, was the one where all these musicians were just so devastated. Um, yeah, and- we, didn't, and we didn't see it coming. You know, that's another thing. We just didn't see it coming with him.
1: Yeah, and a completely a completely preventable death. That's what makes it even even uh even more sad. But um, man, he could uh, he could write a hit, and, and we forget traveling Wilburys. You know he helped facilitate uh, that uh, that album, and you know just everybody loved him. I mean he he was in a band with Roy Orbison, a Beatle, and Bob Dylan. I mean, how many people can say that?
0: Yeah, I think one of the coolest things about him, I, uh, we talked about this, we talked about this before, but um, you know, I, I'm I really love filmmaker Edward Burns, especially his, those early, first few movies he did, and when he did, she's the one. I mean, I think that may have been his second film. And his first film, you know, I think I think it won Sundance, but The Brothers McMullen and all that is just very low budget, and here's a guy that didn't really have. He doesn't have a whole lot other than, hey, I had success at Sundance and Robert. yeah, and granted, Robert Redford was backing him after that point, but still, he was a nobody. And he he writes this movie, and he asks Petty if he'd be interested in doing a song for it. So he let Petty watch the movie, and Tom Petty was like, "Um, yeah, I want to score the whole song, the whole the whole movie." And I thought that was just so cool. But, I mean, that just shows you. I mean, the guy was, he was an appreci he appreciated art, and he wasn't too big to work with this small, no name filmmaker and do the whole entire soundtrack, which is just a fantastic soundtrack.
1: And that's a great, that's a, I, that's a good movie. I like the movie. Oh, I do too. I love the movie. Um, I mean, and, you know, in the documentary when they turn, I think it was their 30th anniversary. Stevie Nicks wanted to quit Fleetwood Mac to be a member of the Heartbreakers, so that should just tell you something, Um, how how well-respected they were. All right, Chris, if my math is right, you're on number four right now, right?
0: Yeah, I am, and this is where it got especially difficult for me, and um, I could literally just write both names down, put them in a cup, shake it around and pick, and say that's who I'm going to go with since I'm not going to do it that way what you think of what you said is your criteria I'm going to pick the longevity thing as what's going to win outright because the other one was not around very long which I will mention them in a moment when we try to shoot through a couple of honorable mentions but I'm going to go with one it it may surprise you but I don't I don't think it will and I'm picking it largely because of one album and that may be the giveaway to you right there, but I'm going with the Beach Boys because of Pet Sounds. Um, You know, I I think that, I think without, and I know this is a little bit of a bold statement, but it seems like, it seems like anyway, without Pet Sounds, you may not have had Sergeant Peppers. And, um, you know, I know what that did. The Beatles, one there's like a, there's that competitive nature between them and Brian Wilson, and I know that it was. I mean, Paul McCartney has said that God only knows is his favorite song of all time, and you always hear Lennon McCartney is the greatest songwriters, but there are a lot of musicians out there that put Brian Wilson right up there, maybe even above, and. I think of um, yeah. You know, I, I think of references, just like I. I, I think I'm going to give another another reference. For I said, I said um, earlier, I said Darius Rucker. You know, the he may not be for everybody. And he, I'm going to give you another one. That I, I realize his music's not the greatest, but still, this guy is as big of a music. He puts us probably to shame with how much knowledge he has of music, and that's Mark McGrath. And I remember he was on Howard Stern one time and stern was talking to him and, was like, and was telling him like who so who are the so who is they're talking about songwriters like, so who's, who, Stern's like, who's the greatest songwriters it's lynn mccartney right and uh mcgrath said well for me ron wilson and i think there's a lot of guys that are that way um and pet sounds i think just completely changed the game i think they were i mean they were america's answer they were our version of the Beatles. And since we are picking American bands I, I think they're one of the most important I mean get past just oh it's all about surfing you know but but that's let's face it that's what music was at that time I I was I think it may have been um, something I was listening to it may have been Jim Nortons show recently but they were talking about music in the way that it's evolved and how you know everything right now is like they're talking about how depressing it was and all, but talking about in the the early days, it was all just happy and surfing and all that kind of stuff. That's just that's what they wrote about. You know, everybody from the Beatles to Little Richard and all it was it was all upbeat and it wasn't. You know, they weren't really <laughs> they weren't really debating life's most pressing issues. That's just the way music was at the time. But I got to look at the the songwriting and I got to look at the impact of Pet Sounds and just the influence overall that they had on music. And I I just think there's a a fitting place. And maybe it's even more deserving just putting Brian Wilson up there. We're just talking about bands. And so it was tough for me. And like I said, I could change that five minutes from now, but that's who I pick for now.
1: Yeah, Pet Sounds, you can interview just about anybody that's anybody. And that'll at least be in like their top ten um album, you know, your albums of theirs. You were talking about, you know, not having Sergeant Peppers. You would not have had Dark Side of the Moon. Um I didn't know that. Those guys were those guys were, you know, big uh Beach Makes Boys sense. Beach Boys fans and you know that they're actually the very first Pink Floyd album, Piper at the Gates of Dawn, was recorded at the same time that Sgt. Peppers uh was recorded in the same studio. And uh you know David Gilmore had not joined the band yet, but uh, the other members of uh, Pink Floyd were listening, you know, listening to the Beach Boys then. And I remember years ago you and I were had a conversation, and we were talking about like music you like to go to sleep to, and one of the albums you said was pet sounds. And uh, ever since then, um, a lot of times I'm having trouble sleeping, I'll put pet sounds on. And just listen to it, you know, there in the dark, you know, eventually go to sleep. And it's not like it's so boring it puts you to sleep. It's just, it, it just kind of elevates your mood. And it's, it, and it's, it's, it's original. And there have been a lot of albums that have come out that incorporate a lot of those techniques after that, obviously. But you have to go back to it was the first one. And it was mixed really well. And it just, it's a unique, um, it's a unique, unique sound. And you look at, um, God only knows. I mean, that is a perfect song. Wouldn't it be nice? That's just such a good song. But yeah, they they have a huge um, impact. I know um, the Robinson Brothers and um, the Black Crows. I know the Crows used to cover. Uh, is it song "Kathy's Clown"? That's a Beach Boys song, isn't it? Yeah, uh, a Beach Boys song. And you know, they they were Beach Boys fans. And so I think anybody that's that takes their songwriting views it as a craft uh, is going to at least acknowledge the genius sometimes mad scientist uh approach of a of brian wilson but the guy could write and could write harmonies like nobody's business
0: yeah well i'm glad you you uh seem to support my uh pick even though it may not be yours but, no okay. I, you
1: can't you can't that's i mean you can't deny that the impact they've had and uh at all i mean i'm not going to argue with that one at all um my next one is going to be America's version of the Rolling Stones, and that's going to be Aerosmith. In the 1970s, they, uh, man, they put out four or five albums that were just straight fire, uh, blending uh, kind of the, uh, the approach of the Yardbirds with, um, with the Stones and just kind of their take on, on rock and roll and bluesy rock and roll. Uh, the album Rocks is one of the more influential albums uh slash i think he said that's one of the most important albums he's ever listened to nikki six of motley Crue has said that um i have it i'm looking at it right now i have it on uh, on vinyl and uh just a a great album toys in the attic i mean heck rem you know covered that song you know and then they completely self-destructed and then talking about making yourself relevant again they made themselves relevant because of rap music at a time when rap music wasn't even that popular and you know walk this way um uh, just completely blew up mtv and then they come back with um permanent vacation and pump which are two really good albums i love a pump a ton that's one of my favorite albums you know and then they had get a grip now by the time get a grip came around they had you know they're having all these outside songwriters and, and and granted they were they were going for the money there uh but still put out uh you know catchy songs and after that uh where well, they had just pushed play and and, and nine lives i think uh, that those were decent but uh still all the original members and they're all still alive which is a miracle considering the drug use that they had but they managed to to stay relevant and then were really a big part of the mtv generation with uh you know ragdoll dude looks like a lady what it takes um the video for janie has got a gun that's you know, usually if you see top ten videos of all time, that that song that video is in there, and then of course you know the Get a Grip album with the trio of videos with um with Alicia Silverstone and Liv Tyler, uh, just MTV all the time, and they have influenced a, a ton of bands, especially anybody who's listening in the uh, in the mid seventies. But I like to call them America's version of the Rolling Stones.
0: Well, yeah, and I think that. Um... You know, what they were able to do too, Then not, not many did it, but Ozzy, Alice Cooper, and Aerosmith, probably better than anybody, successfully transitioned from 70s hard rock and kind of reinvented themselves to fit in with Motley Crue and Poison. You know, they did a slight image change. They made a little bit more, you know, a little bit more polished work. Um, came out with their ballads, but yeah, they were able to—they able to reinvent themselves and stay relevant. Um, look, there's no doubt the influence they had, and I like Aerosmith. I don't, and I, I think that's a very strong pick. I don't pick it because, you know, I, I think that even though it has to. be I don't know. I, 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 I really I do think it's a great pick. It's just not... And I knew you would probably go there. And so... And I think a lot of people would. Um, and it makes sense. Because I know how influential they were on people. Um, Joe Perry is one of the more influential guitarists, really. Rock guitarists. He's one of the most influential. Um, Steven Tyler was just a great front man. Uh, and just like you said, longevity, man, you, it, it's tough to beat that. I mean, you go from, uh, when was the first record? Was I think that, 74. Like 74? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking early 70s. And they really did well commercially outside a little, like you said, a little hiatus with, you know, because all the heroin and all that. Outside of that, before they had to reinvent themselves and all, they really, for the most part, stayed relevant from 74 all the way to you know probably around 94 95 96 something like that mm-hmm. well no a little bit later than that because I, I remember i was out of college when uh that movie armageddon came out which is had the big don't want to miss a thing on it right um so you're talking yeah i mean they were they had radio success for about 25 years um not many get to do that and joe
1: Joe perry i put in there with my top five coolest uh coolest looking uh best stage presence of guitar players he's up there with billy duffy in my opinion yeah
0: yeah and you know he's one i mean obviously now i mean it's 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 hard when you're you know what i mean they're probably 70 by now aren't they
1: close to it yeah
0: or i mean close to it yeah they may be quite 70 but At that point, you know, age is going to eventually take its toll. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy when he was in his 50s still looked cooler than most, you know, guys that were 23. Um, So, I mean, he kept it a long, long time. And don't get me wrong, dude looks great for his age. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, and they had this, I mean, you have the front man, too, that had the, the great, the great, cool front man, front man look, front man performance. Um. Great and even great songwriting team, and here when you talk about America's Stones, well, what does the Stones have? They have Jagger and they have Richards.
1: Look yeah. At, look at Aerosmith; it's the same thing. Well, Chris, why don't since uh, since you and I doubled up on um, R.E.M., why don't you th- why don't you have an- another one? So we'll act like Mount Rushmore ha- has is undergoing a uh, a remixing and going to have an extra head on it
0: well i mean it's it and it doesn't matter either way we do this we'll just we can briefly talk about a few others anyway and this is what i'll put in there this is what i'll start with but this is going to be slash like you said an extra one slash getting it starting our our uh, honorable mentions but i have to go with another one that you know uh when you know your criteria they really fall short on one of them and that's longevity um and this be that I, what i'm about to say probably sounds like oh God, we have yeah you're going to try to be you know cool and be a poser and all but no i have to I, I have to listen i have to i have to acknowledge what my heroes love and i have to acknowledge what influenced my heroes and you know think about bands like R.E.M. and all those and i, I got to go back to the velvet underground and i'm gonna i'm gonna start my reason for them with uh, I think we. I know we we, we mentioned this when uh, Casey from Asteroid was on. Famous quote by Brian Eno. This is his quote verbatim. The first Velvet Underground album only sold 10,000 copies, but everyone who bought it formed a band. <laughs> now, that, of course, that's exaggerated, but I get his point. You know, very few people were listening, but it seems like everybody that did, they wanted to do it too. You know, and and I think part of that is, and and I can't remember. I I, I think they talk about it in the book. Please kill me, um, which is about the uh, New York City punk scene. I think I think it was in that book where they mentioned it. You know, somebody was talking about with Lou Reed. It's like, well, he can't really sing. I can't sing either. They don't really play much. I don't know much. He gave. I think they gave hope to people that you didn't have to be the best musician, the best singer. And I am mentioning them, like I said, plain and simple for the influence that they had. And they really were a big, big influence and spawn for all of that 1970s punk music that, you know, opened the doors for the bands, like we talked about the Ramones, television, all those bands. They really kind of opened the door for it. They were before all of them. They were before the Stooges. They were before all that took off. And I think, I mean, I know we can do this all day long. Well, without this one, you don't have that one. Without that that one, you don't have that one. But maybe we don't have punk rock without the Velvet Underground.
1: I don't know. You know, you're right. Um, I think everybody that listened to them started the band. And they, right, they don't have the longevity, but uh, got one of the most one of the coolest album covers of all time. That's for sure um you're right you know lou reed not a great singer um but it it just worked and i go listen to songs like uh, oh sweet nothing which is a song i love which everybody and their brother has covered uh to uh another song uh, of theirs i really like heroin um that's a great that's a that's a great song but you're right they they i guess you know they're kind of almost mythological because they didn't they didn't just play a ton of live shows did they i mean not nationally am i right on that not
0: real. no no i don't okay. think they did so not uh, a, not they,
1: a, not a ton of people you know got to say hey i saw the velvet underground um, and you know Lou Reed they, they benefited as, as well from that um, you know kind of mystique of course he had his solo career but they're one of those bands and this isn't really a knock on them but they're one of those bands that I feel like really got propped up by the uh, Northeast media uh, the Rolling Stone magazine and, and and things like that and I think they're was, a music
0: snobs band there's no yeah. doubt about it they are a music snobs band
1: yeah that, they were before Radiohead but um, you can't argue with their influence and I, and I like a lot of their music uh, as well, but like you said, they they don't have the longevity thing. But it's your list; you can pick whatever you want to. But yeah, I'm not going to argue with that because the other two. And tune... if
0: anybody, if, if people want to listen to them, and maybe they don't, they're not familiar, and they're like I've always heard about these guys, but they don't know. You mentioned "Oh Sweet Nothing." I would probably that's on an album called "Loaded," and that's probably the one I would tell people to start with. Is the album "Loaded"? Um, I love that one. It has one that most people are probably going to know, and that's the song "Sweet Jane."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: so you got Sweet Jane is on it Oh Sweet Nothing that you're talking about uh, I really love the song you know Head Held High that's a I think that one's a cool album uh, I would I would probably start with that one if I were telling somebody uh, I know that um, you know as far as if you want to hear what maybe kind of really shaped some of these punk bands and what may have really kind of started punk listen to White Light White Heat that's You'll you'll definitely the noise factor and all that you'll hear. why that probably was an influence for them, and then when you're talking about album covers, I'm sure you're talking about the Velvet Under. Um, uh, you're talking about Nico.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I'm sure that's when you're talking about the Velvet Underground and Nico. And that's a that's another great one. That one does have um, it's got heroin on it. There she goes again, which has been covered a thousand times. Um, Femme Fatale, Venus and Furs. Um, I mean here's the thing it may be a rock a music snobs pick it may be kind of a hipster pick and they may not have sold a ton of records they may not have been the best musicians but the thing is I own all the records and no they're not my favorite band but the records really are good you know, if you've held off on it just because you think that, oh, it's just a bunch of music snobs and thing probably sucks and, and all, it doesn't. And now, if you just hate Lou Reed, then it's not going to be for you. But it really is good music. It's not just because people want to think it's cool.
1: Yeah, just look, go look at the list of people that have covered them. I mean, it's so diverse. Um, yeah. It's all all over the place. All right, well, Chris, my uh, fourth and final pick Is going to be a heavy one. Going to be Metallica. Um, I thought
0: you might have them on there. Yeah, you
1: you talk about uh, you know exploding a a genre or starting a genre. I wouldn't necessarily they started it, but they're the ones that are going to be credited with taking it quote unquote to the mainstream. That's the thrash metal movement. But you know they're still they're they're selling out 16,000-70,000 seat stadiums still to this day, and have created a. A loyal brand to say the least um their fan base is fiercely loyal and will um go out and buy anything that they put their name on i think and still sell out stadiums um you know had the first album big underground kind of movement and buzz about them and then they just got better with ride of the lightning and master of puppets and justice for all and then you know then they they make a complete 180 in their i think their business approach their artistic approach and put out the black album and arguably one of the in my opinion one of the 10 biggest albums of all time and it just produced hit after hit after hit after hit and they they get they finally decided we're going to do videos the videos from that album are all great and then take a dramatic turn yet again with load and even though their diehard fans didn't like that, that was still a very successful uh, album. And you can look no no further than their evidence, their sphere of influence, uh, or not influence, but longevity, is that they're still selling out 60,000, 70,000-seat stadiums, and they're over 50 years old. Uh, truly amazing, amazing career that they've had and do not appear to be letting up anytime soon.
0: Well, and the last record they put out was... Uh... I don't know exactly how successful it was commercially. I mean, it's hard to have any kind of commercial, you know, it's hard to have any kind of big sales with a record these days, as everybody knows, but I know there was a bigger buzz about that album than there has been, at least for a rock artist, rock or metal, in quite quite some time.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: Um, so, yeah, I mean, and we talk about the the fans made a lot, not only like load, and you said it still did well, well reload sucks and it still did really well yeah you know did really well and you know i I bet you saint anger sold well Mm. and almost every fan hates that right um so they and of course that was the last one they did until they you know they what i don't know how many years later but i mean i know they took a long long break but every time they put an album in an, in an era when albums don't sell well, I guess what I'm looking for is if this were the equivalent of, let's say, 2000, because 2000 records were still selling like crazy, and probably some of the best times ever for record sales. You know, just because we talk about it dead now, we're not saying, oh, it was big in 1985. 2000 it was huge. Um if that album, if this Hardwired had it came out in 2000, comparably, I'm sure it would have been a couple of times platinum. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, people are still buying their music, people are still selling out shows, um, and yeah, they influenced a whole lot of bands, you know, a whole lot of bands, and sure, they may not be the very first band to play thrash, I I don't really know. I mean, there's been a lot of dispute on who who gets the credit for that. Some say they do. Some say Exodus. I I don't know. I'm not going to have that debate because I don't even know. But I know they're one of the first, and they're the first. They are the first to really have success with it. Um, and then they were able to take. You know, you look you look at some of those bands that came out in thrash. You look at Slayer. Slayer stayed Slayer. Now, granted, Slayer was never going to be on, you know, on Rock 103 here, you know, sort of manifestation for people listening. But they they were never going to they were never going to do that. But they stuck to the formula, and you know, Slayer flirted a little. You know, when you think about the, the song "Seasons in the Abyss," it was still too heavy, but it wasn't that far off to where it might could have got on radio. And so they kind of flirted with it, but they never really did it. But Metallica. They did it. They went full force trying to go commercial and it worked. And I don't think many of those bands could have done that. No. I don't think... I don't think... I, I, I mean, like I don't think Slayer would have... Like I said, they got maybe kind of close. You know, um, Megadeth was able to do it. They went from just straight up, you know, thrash to more rock and they pulled it off pretty successfully. But it didn't really last. You know, they had... Countdown to Extinction which is just an incredible record and after that I guess moderate success after with Euthanasia moderate success with Cryptic Writings and then it was over mm-hmm. you know they had three records and none of them lasted I mean the Black Album probably lasted almost as long as all three of those right and um, and then they stayed with the success whereas you know Megadeth put out Stopia. Uh, you know about a year or so ago and there was a little bit of buzz about it but outside of people like us a lot of people didn't know about it and it's a shame because you can put it up there it's probably one of the better mega records
1: top to bottom and yeah. and i don't
0: think any metallica fan is going to tell you hardwire is one of the best i mean the best days for metallica are over mm-hmm. in my opinion um but yeah they, they stayed relevant like you said people still buy it, and the thing about them is The guy that was listening to Ride the Lightning, you know, back when he was sixteen in high school, is still going to go see him now, as well as the sixteen-year-old that's in high school right now.
1: Yeah, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, Chris, we've each done our 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 four parts of the uh, of Mount Rushmore. Um, Why don't you do two or three of give us two or three of your honorable mentions, and I'll do the same.
0: Alright, let me go, um, I'm going to go with, I'll give you, I'll give you a, here's one that I almost put on there, but then I thought, when I thought from just, uh, we you say cultural impact, and, and I think they influenced a lot of people, I mean they certainly influenced one of my favorite bands of all time, um, and, and, and kind of like Tom Petty, some people may not look at it quite as a band, and you're wrong. If you think that way, because Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers—I mean, that, that's a—it's a band. It just happened to have his name in it. Well, the other one is Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Um, I mean, now there's a the guy. You talk about longevity. He definitely hits that one mm-hmm. because "Be for You." And I'm say, I'm gonna say you. I mean, anybody listening, Springsteen may not be for you. That's fair. But for somebody that does like him, me being one of them. He still puts out good records, and Mm -hmm. that's crazy. I mean, how many people that you listen to that you've loved and have put out tons of, of, I mean, how many of them still put out a record that you think looks good or sounds good? You buy it because you're still supporting an artist, and you're hoping to God they'll surprise you and have a record that you like, but knowing they probably won't. Well, Springsteen right now, look, 73 was his first record. Darkness on the Edge of Town, which is maybe my favorite Springsteen record, I, I, I hadn't really thought about it until the other day. I saw it. I was listening to the East Street Channel, and they said celebrating the 40th anniversary of Darkness on the Edge of Town. I was like, man, that's incredible! 40 years old that album, and the last one he put out, you know, just a few years ago, High Hopes. It was good, and I mean, he's relevant enough to where when if Van Zant was, you know, working on Lily Hammer and all that. He had Tom Morello touring with him. And then Tom Morello stayed on even when Van Zant was playing some shows. He recorded on High Hopes. I mean, you have a guy like Tom Morello that's such a Springsteen fan. Um, you know, I said influence one of our favorite bands, the Gaslight Anthem. You know, huge influence. Mm-hmm. And I just think as far as a career there are very few that have done it that long and will still put out good records because I know you, you still like buy u two records and all that. And I know there's some U2 fans that still, you know, like a lot of their records that come out. I think people really enjoyed the last one. Um, but Springsteen's got them beat by about 10 years. Um, that's impressive. It and, is. And they are, and they are a band. Like I said, they are a
1: true, true band. For sure. Yeah, and I, I love uh, one of his later albums, Magic. I love that album. Magic is great. I Magic was, is
0: pr- probably the best record he's done, for me anyway, um, since Tunnel of Love, which was Tunnel of Love was 1987. And I think Magic, I want to say Magic from 2007.
1: I think you're right. Yeah, I was listening to uh, You'll Be Coming Down and um, Girls in the Summer Clothes today, actually. Um, yeah
0: it's a really 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 good album and the one and and i know you know like jimmy fallon is a uh huge springsteen fan and i heard him ranking his favorite springsteen albums and i think he had maybe number five i think he had um wrecking ball which came out i don't know but probably give or take around 2010. so i mean that's, that's all you need to know but anyway yeah great that, thats great. Mine. and let me just go in since you put out I'll just this one will be quicker I'm just this one is um I want to list this one just because they do not fit the all the criteria but I want to I'm gonna steal a quote from Ozzy Osbourne. he said they could have been the next Rolling Stones and that's Guns N' Roses. They weren't there long enough, but if they hadn't broke up, I have no doubt Ozzy would have been correct. They would have they would have stayed relevant. They would have they would have stayed relevant all through the changing music. Because if Bon Jovi was able to do okay, Guns N' Roses certainly would have. Oh for sure. And, and I think you said Aerosmith is the state's answer to Guns N' Roses or to, to the Stones i think even more so it would have been guns and roses but they just couldn't they couldn't get along Mm-mm. so um, that, that's why they don't make it but they the only reason they don't make it is just they didn't fit the full criteria but
1: no can't argue yeah. with that
0: that's okay so that, that's me i'm done okay
1: all right so i've got three more and i'll go real quick on those um i'm gonna have to go with pearl jam uh, they came out, what, 91, 92, and they are still selling out stadiums. Uh, they're playing, I think, Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, and Safeco Field in Seattle uh, this summer. And they're a band that I think, in my opinion, just really got better as they went on. Uh, I know a lot of people think I'm crazy. I'm just not the biggest fan of the 10 album. Now, I love Verses and Vitology and Yield. That's actually my favorite Pro Jam album, but uh, their last couple of albums, uh, Backspacer, the uh, album that had the avocado on the on the cover, and then um, Lightning Boat were all really good. Uh, I appreciate the fact that they change their set list up every night, and they are really good to their fans. You know, they play for a long time, but they're the only ones that have made it that made it out of the um, grunge movement unscathed. Everybody's still alive, and. You know, immediately their impact was seen with bands like Stone Temple Pilots. Now, um, whereas like we talk about the glam metal music, things got very derivative and cookie cutter. Same thing happened with grunge, with Candlebox, Seven Mary Three, and, and bands like that. But I think Pearl Jam moved on from quote unquote grunge pretty quick, um, and uh, I just consider them uh, uh, really now like a classic uh, classic rock band. And, you know, they can still they can still put out um, great material. And, um, you know, Eddie Vedder goes and plays with everybody and their brother when they ask him to. Um, he was kind of the, uh, I guess you could say he was kind of Dave Grohl before there was Dave Grohl. For a long time, whenever you'd watch like a rock award show, Eddie Vedder was the only one that would be there now. Of course, it's Dave Grohl. But uh, Pearl Jam would be uh, one of my honorable mentions. Um, you're not a huge Pearl Jam fan, are you, Chris?
0: Well, I think that's the way to describe it. Not huge, but I do, I do really appreciate them. I like a lot of their, I like a lot of their songs. I have, I have several of their albums. I don't even know how many I have, um, but I, I guess I probably have at least five or six of them, and um, and I do like ten. I don't like to compare. I don't like where people put it up there with, um, you know, like I I've seen it compared, like, as far as one of the great albums, like, right up there with uh, Octoon Baby. And the reason, why I think the songs that are good on it are outstanding, and they're not all hits either. Like, Why Go, Porch, those are great songs on it. But there are a couple of stinkers on it. Um, but, yeah, I like a lot of their albums. I, I really like the, uh, was it No Code?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. it was different, was very cool. experimental, yeah.
0: Yeah, I thought that one was very cool. Um, you know, I, I, I like I like verses a lot. Uh, Vitology I thought was good. And, um, you know, I just, I really appreciate Eddie Vedder, too, because he's, I think when he first came out, and I, and I know you read the book, uh, Prado's book about grunge, and Eddie Vedder doesn't like the way he sang, sang on that, you know, where he, he kind of did the, what became, you know, the Creed voice and Scott Weiland definitely took his sound off of that. I mean, there's no doubt. Um, he didn't really like that that sound that he had, but you start to realize you listen to some of those records and you just realize he's he's a, I think he's actually an underrated vocalist. Um, I know the band's not underrated because they're huge, but I don't know that he gets the credit he deserves as a, an actual talented singer and if you question me on that one listen to the Into the Wild soundtrack
1: yeah that's really good he
0: did just Eddie Vedder Into the Wild just listen to the voice he's got a great voice but I I do like the band
1: okay cool alright well my my next one does not fit the longevity factor but I mean criteria but definitely uh, influence and a band that uh uh, sadly, I think a lot of people kind of forget how big they really were, and that's Leonard Skinnerd. Um, you know, kind of the first ones to bring that. I guess you say they they get you know their southern rock, but uh, you know, they had a little bit of a country tinge to them. But don't make no mistake about it; they're a straight up rock band. And I found it interesting in the last couple of weeks. I've listened to I was listening to some different podcasts, and uh, just oddly enough, their name has come up. Amongst several metal guys, uh, you know, as, as a band that they just thought were just amazing. You know, they had the three guitar attack and really just revolutionized uh, that. I, I, I think they may have been the first one to really be that prominent with the, the three guitar players. And, you know, those those first four or five albums they did before, you know, obviously the, the plane crash um, were hugely influential and were very big. And influenced uh country music artists rock artists uh, there's a uh, leonard skinner i think it's a tribute album where different people go i think go and play with them maybe at the fox theater in atlanta or something like that but it's a very diverse uh group of musicians it's like oar and um it, yeah it's just kind of all over the place but people forget about them and then the last one which just hit me as we were doing this and um I, I, talking about staying power I, I, they they're still selling out arenas and that to me is the red hot chili peppers um they have been around a long time since the late 80s and uh you know i think their albums still sell really well uh they kind of were the perfect fusion of funk and um uh, soul and not really yeah, i guess soul and uh and rock and roll but they were really huge there for a while but uh they're still uh relevant as far as um you know selling out arenas and uh I've never seen them I would love to go see them I think I hear they're an awesome live band but uh, that's one that just came to mind there while actually while we're doing this podcast so I guess Leonard Skinner and um the Chili Peppers Chris would be my last two on the Yeah, yeah um, and
0: the Chili Peppers can kind of count as one of those ones that were definitely uh influential as well you know I I know I've been doing this for the whole you know, hours, so we've been talking, I say, without this, you don't have that. But, I'll do it again. Without, without them, do you get, let's say, faith no more. You know, um, even some of the things that a metal band like Anthrax was, started doing, where they were incorporating the rap and all that in. I, I don't know, I mean, I think they were really important. I mean, I know that, I know that the, uh, the Aerosmith and Run DMC, they get a A lot of credit, but Chili Peppers deserve a lot of that too. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, Flea, his his playing style, um, yeah, that's a good one. And then, uh, as far as uh, Skinner, you're right. There's there's a lot of people that just love them. They love their playing. A lot of guitar players love them. They, uh, I mean, there's there's a band that still, they, I mean, I know there's not many left. know as far as original but they still they still do pretty well touring on the touring
1: circuit yeah they're on their farewell
0: tour right now yeah well i mean (laughs) hell hadn't hadn't about 30 bands done that for 10 years right um i hate that i wish nobody would ever do that because too many of them will never most probably i mean most will never stick to it just makes them look ridiculous but anyway um yeah very very influential i, I think that even like so, uh, you know i don't know how much i, I talked about it at the beginning of this talked about american aquarium i don't know the b2 bar and listen to them but i think a lot of bands that are like american aquarium it probably was a big influence because they did have they were a, a rock band that had a country flavor to it um so yeah, I think that they probably they and they were both of those bands. that you name? They were kind of originators to their genre of what they did. And I don't. And know I say their genre, Chili Peppers still don't. But those early records just kind of hard to put them in a box because there's nobody that ever really gave them a run for their money.
1: Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
0: You know, you think about you think about it. Uh, if you think about about um, Skinner. We have the Allman Brothers. And and then, of course, you start getting into a lot of them that weren't as popular, like Marshall Tucker and all that kind of stuff. But Chili Peppers, there was really nobody that ever really gave them a run for the money as far as doing exactly what they did.
1: Mm-mm. I can't think of anybody. And
0: that's kind of a unique trait because Pearl Jam spawned 100 clones.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, not their fault.
1: Right. But So did REM.
0: Yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Just so. An uh. Not a hard podcast, was it, Chris? They usually aren't. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. Um, well, uh, so this is going to wrap up this week. Uh, like we said when we started the beginning, uh, follow us on Twitter at Digital Kill, subscribe on Apple Podcast or SoundCloud, and uh, go uh, like us on Facebook and leave us an iTunes review. Uh, we'll definitely uh, hook you up with a little something uh, of appreciation for that. And if you get a chance and want to donate to the GoFundMe account, um just go to GoFundMe.com, com uh, type in Nashville rock and pond uh, expo and um, it uh, and just donate under our name and uh, I think if you donate ten dollars we'll review any album that you want us to Sonny Poonie, don't we haven't forgotten about you we're gonna do years uh, I forget the the other increments but there's an increment where uh, you, you donate and you pick the podcast topic and then there's another one where you pick the podcast topic, and you get to come on here and talk to us about it. So uh, if you want to do that, that would be great. But uh, hopefully Chris and I are going to return back to a weekly or uh, semi-weekly schedule. And uh, we've got a, a great podcast, a very interesting podcast that Chris came up with. It's going to be our next one. And, uh, and I'm already just
0: about done with it for my pick. So it, we can absolutely go in a week if you, uh, you, you, know, if you get ready. So oh, no yeah. No pressure, but yeah, that'll and- – we should be able to do next week.
1: Yeah, and the podcast is going to kill. So, anyway, um, hope everybody has a good week and uh, don't forget to subscribe to us. That way you can get it whenever uh, we upload it to uh, Apple Podcast. Have a good week, everybody, and we'll see you next time.